you guys are just going to have to put up with me a little bit today. Uh, I think I'll be probably a little bit less emotional um, to, in this gathering. Um, not just because, you know, you can only be so emotional, right? Um, but today, I mean, well, really this May marks Crossroads being a church for 10 years. And I know that means different things to different people because some of us have just been coming here for a few weeks and some of us have been coming here from the very beginning. And uh, what we're doing today really is closing a chapter in our journey. Um, and uh, starting next week, as Greg mentioned, we're going to be uh, moving from this space for a short season all together at North Point and then uh, into our building by the week before Easter. So that's all happening really fast. And really what we felt we needed to do today is to accept uh, the closure of this chapter and to do that, like the thing that really is burning on my heart is it's not so much about a place, um, even though within this place, I, I can't tell you how many memories I have here. Um, I mean, I could go off, rattle memory after memory. But it's the stuff that God has done in this space. And it's, for me, 10 years. For some of us, several years. Um, it's, when we came here, Gabe was third grade. Bennett hadn't even started kindergarten. And uh, now Gabe's going off to college this year. It's just so you have so many things when you close a chapter in your life. And uh, today, more than anything, though, what we want to do is not navel gaze. We want to just bless God. And, and that's the emotion that has been welling up in me uh, is just this overwhelming sense of gratefulness for what God has done in us and through us, in spite of us, uh, for his glory. And uh, I think David really uh, gives such great expression to where my heart is. And we've looked at this psalm many times, but it's uh, Psalm 103. And I really feel like this kind of frames our expression today. When David writes, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Now I'm going to tell you right now, like, people who praise God and bless God and are filled with the joy of God uh, are people who forget not. Those things are connected. To the degree that we forget not is the degree to which we're going to praise him. Because in forgetting not, we are constantly reminded, reminded of all the things that God has done. And that's what David's talking about here, which is causing his heart to just bless him and praise him. He says, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desire with the richest of things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all you heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. 
And so this morning, God, I just uh, pray that whatever word is uttered, whatever story is shared, whatever song is sung, God, that that would be the expression of our heart is just this gratitude to you, God, for who you are and what you've done in our lives. The sake of Christ. Amen. Before we start, we're going to just pause here. to lift our eyes up to God. It's a beginning point, isn't it? It's this place where we give up control, we surrender. And then a door opens up to us for all sorts of genuine
all stand. The last time in this place, here we go. To all stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who came in I my soul surrendered all I am is so I'll stand The one who prayed it all, I stand my soul to you, surrender all I am is yours. All I am is yours. All I am is I love it how David in one of the Psalms says in the midst of the congregation I will give thanks in the midst of the congregation and right now I just have to assume that some of you want to do that let's give thanks in in prayer and uh, if God's put something on your heart that you just uh, want to declare as a thanks to him uh, let's just, just pray that out loud right now God, I thank you for this family. I thank you for every person here. I thank you, God, for just your amazing work in us. Your amazing work through us. Sometimes and oftentimes in spite of us. Just showing yourself to be so, so good. And, uh, I just pray that this morning, God, that you would just hear our praise, God, and our thanksgiving as just uh, a, a sweet aroma, God, that it would come before you, and we bless you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can be seated. All right, you're not going to really um, get a long sermon today. Um, you're not going to really get a sermon at all, but I still wanted uh, in this gathering to just uh, let God's words uh, shape not just the past and where we've been, um, where we are today, but also shape a little bit where we're going. And so uh, God has led me to Joshua 3. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. I'd like for you to stand for God's word. If you uh, try following along, you're going to notice I'm going to jump a few verses, okay? And I can't even tell you what verses they are because I've taken the verse numbers out of my, uh, what I'm going to read. So Joshua 3. Early in the morning, Joshua rose and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites, and they came to the Jordan. And they camped there before crossing over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, 
then you shall set out from your place and follow it so that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. And, and do you know what the Ark of the Covenant is? It's a great big box outlined with gold. The interior was also gold. On top of the box were what? Two gold cherubim, angels with their wings. This box called the Ark of the Covenant was uh, placed in the Holy of Holies. And between the wings of the cherubim, in that air right there, on top of the box, was the Shekinah glory of God. And this is the place when Moses would go into the Holy of Holies where he would speak to God face to face. Okay, so now the Levitical priests are, as they set out from their camp, are, are carrying this. Some say it weighed between 1,000 and 2,000 pounds. Um, just thought I'd let you know that. So we'll keep reading. And Joshua then said to the Israelites, draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that among you is the living God, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of All the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now what I want you to do is select 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And when the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, when those priests' feet rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. In other words, the waters are going to be parted again. And then they put this detail in there. Now the Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap on each side, very reminiscent of when they passed through the Red Sea. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire Nation finished crossing over the Jordan. And then Joshua 4. When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, select 12 men from the people, one from each tribe. Command them, take 12 stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood. Carry them over with you. Now it makes me wonder, like how big a stone did each guy pick up? And um, if I can picture Tom Glendening over here picking up just one massive stone. And if I'm supposed to carry a stone, I'm probably going to try to follow suit. But I'm sure these were some big stones, okay? Sorry, Tom. Then Joshua summoned the 12 men from the Israelites, whom he had appointed, one from each tribe. Joshua said to them, Pass on before the, the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take a stone on his shoulder, one for each tribe. And to take the stone on his shoulder so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what did this pile of rocks mean to you? You shall tell them the story that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. This is God's word for now. You can be seated. Okay, and if you know, Joshua follows, um, in terms of actually the story, the Exodus. It uh, picks up 
uh, the story after Israel has spent 40 years in the desert, and it tells the story of Joshua. Remember, what's Joshua's name in English? In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. In English, it's Jesus. Um, Joshua now has been appointed to take the mantle of leadership from Moses and to lead God's people out of the desert and into the promised land. Now, one of the reasons why I didn't want to go to this text today is because I don't want to confuse anyone into thinking that, oh, is that what Rod is thinking, that now we're going into this new building, meaning we're going into the promised land. Uh, I don't want anyone thinking that. Are you kidding? Um, I mean, in some ways, I hope it's somewhat promised land, but this space here has been certainly promised land. And in some ways, that space will be desert, just like this space has been desert. But the reason I like this story is because Israel at this point in the story is going through a major transition. First, they're going through a transition in leadership. They're going from Moses to Joshua. They're also going through a transition in terms of place. And we're a people right now that are in transition. I mean, there's a major transition that's about to take place for Crossroads as we go from this space uh, to space downtown. And then when I look at the people of God and I just look at those 40 years in the desert, which really was Israel's preparation before they entered uh, the space, the promised land, because 40 in the Bible is always that symbolic number signifying preparation. And those 40 years really uh, become Israel's boot camp where God is preparing this people so he can place them in the center of the world on Main Street, at the world's crossroads, where they can be a kingdom of priests, a city set on a hill, a light shining in darkness. And he's taking them then from the desert to promised land. I think most of us just automatically conclude that the desert is this difficult, hard place to be, but this is just my opinion especially in being there too, that I don't think it took very long before the desert became almost like the Garden of Eden. Because think about it. Pretty early in the game, they realized every single day, God was going to give them enough food, he was going to give them enough water, he was going to give them enough shade, they didn't have to worry about that. For 40 years. They didn't even have to worry about like, well, when is it time to move from this place to this place? Because God even determined when it was time for them to set up camp and when it was time for them to get up and and, and to move. And on top of this, besides the fact that all their needs were completely taken care of every single day, they had a shepherd. And I'm not talking Moses here. They had that shepherd wrapped in a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night every single day who was taking care of every need they had. I think it was heaven. And I want us to consider just like how safe 
and comfortable life had become for them. I mean, there was a consistency and a predictability to every single day. And now all of a sudden, they had to leave that comfortable, safe existence for promised land. And yes, the promised land was was tremendously exciting, but it was also incredibly scary. Because promised land was a strange land to them. It was unknown. Different peoples, different cultures lived there. Giants, walled cities. Scary. I mean, remember when the spies went in to uh, spy out the land and they came back with a report and... The report was, wow, is this land incredible. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But, they said, we can't take this land. There's giants there. They live in walled cities. Can't do this. And now they are at this place in the story where God says it's time. And the first thing that they have to do in taking the land is they have to cross the Jordan. Now, there's already something hugely significant that's going on that I don't even think we recognize, but maybe you recognize it now. I mean, what's, what's a bit strange? Where's the pillar? Where is it? It's not there, is it? Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 3. It says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move now from your positions and you are to follow it. And then you get to verse 13 and it says, and as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, when they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and they will stand in a heap. God's no longer going before them in a cloud. Now, does this mean that God is no longer with them? Absolutely not. But they have grown up. Forty years in the wilderness have matured them. No longer are they in need of daddy's hand. They've learned how to walk. They have become capable. And I know some of you are thinking, what do you mean they don't need daddy's hand? I'm not saying that they've been weaned off of God. Far from it. But here's the bottom line. God wants us to grow up. Where it's not just God's strength doing everything for us all the time. There are times and seasons in our life where where God needs to show up like he did in the glory cloud. Where we're just flat out incapable of doing anything ourselves. And God needs to show himself to be strong. And he's done that for this church. But that's not where God wants his people to stay. Where it's just God's strength doing everything for us. God wants it to be where it's his strength working in us and through us. I remember the first time uh, Israel has to defend itself and God says, Israel, just sit back and watch. You're going to see something amazing today. And God takes on the Egyptians himself. They don't have to even lift a finger. But the next time God says, all right, now it's time for you to fight. 
Now, that doesn't mean it's still not all God and it's still not all his strength, but this time God's strength is being worked in them and through them. And so now God, instead of going before them wrapped in a cloud, holding their hand, it's really time now for leaders to be raised up and for God to follow those priests as they follow God and to trust them as they trust God. And here's what you see when you read this story. To cross the Jordan, they absolutely had to trust God to do the impossible. Look at verse 15 of chapter 3. It says, now the Jordan is at flood stage. Boy, the Bible wants us to even know that detail. It's during harvest season. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. In fact, in verse 3, God says, uh, the water is not going to part until the priest put their feet in it until they get their feet wet and here they are carrying this 1,000 to 2,000 pound ark coming up to this river at flood stage and some people are like how are they even carrying a 1,000 to 2,000 pound ark I mean just four of them I love the Jewish commentators on this I mean they say you think we carry God <laughs> don't carry God. God carries us. Therefore, those priests aren't carrying the ark. The ark's carrying them. But they still, when they got to the water's edge, God didn't just, boom, walk. You got to put your feet in. They had to trust God. And I think God is asking the same for us as a church right now. He's, he's obviously asking us to move out of this space uh, and, and to follow him into new space. I mean, and if you think about it, I, I think that this space, at least for me and for many of us, has grown very safe and predictable and comfortable. And he's calling us to an unknown space. He's calling us downtown. He's calling us to the center of Grand Rapids. He's calling us to the crossroads of Grand Rapids. With what I think for this church, which doesn't make Crossroads any better or any worse, but there's a unique calling on this church to be a frontlines church. A right there in the heart, a city set on a hill, entrenched. A light shining in darkness. And to do this, he's asking us to leave our comfort. He's, he's asking us to leave safe. He's asking us to believe the impossible. He's asking us to trust him. And I'll be the first to admit that I think two of life's greatest temptations, I mean, they dominate most people's lives today. It's to be safe and comfortable at all costs. And whether you know this or not, I'm going to tell you right now, God never called us to be safe. And to be a follower of him means that we are not going to be comfortable. And I'm telling you, if you want the most boring and meaningless life, then choose comfort and safety over following God. 
And when you seek comfort and safety as the ultimate thing in your life, you will cheat yourself of seeing God do the impossible. That's why I'm excited. But as we move from this place, I think the question is, are we going to put our feet in the water? Are we going to trust God? And I was thinking about Joshua this week. Um, I think Joshua's greatest fear here in, in going from the desert into the promised land is, is not the walled cities. I don't think it's the giants that live there. I think his greatest fear is that when we cross, when we get into the land, when we see the finger and power of God at work, when God blesses us, we're going to forget him. We're going to forget him. Now Joshua has some pretty big shoes to fill. And I think it's in his insecurity that God says to him, he says, Hazak, be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not look, let the, the, the book of, of my Torah, of my word, depart from you, but I want you to meditate on it day and night. And so I can see Joshua just meditating on this thing and coming to places like Deuteronomy 8. And I bet those words in Deuteronomy 8 just fell on his heart like a bombshell. The, uh, words that say, when Israel gets into the land, she's going to forget me. And not only is she going to forget me, but even worse than that, she's going to say, my hands, look what my hands have done. My hands did this. We did this. And so what, what, what Joshua does, the moment that they cross is, he says, we're going to pile up stones. I mean, look at verses uh, 4 through 7 of, of chapter 4. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. And each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of, of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you so that in the future when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You will tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones then are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. In fact, seven times in the book of Joshua, Joshua is erecting stones or a stone pile. And these stones, what they are is they're stakes in the ground. They're, they're memorials to God. They are there to say to the world that a God story happened here. And they're markers for people to remember what God did here. They're markers of God's faithfulness. You know what I love what's in the text here is they're not just markers for the people so that the people wouldn't forget God, but verse 6 says uh, they're markers for our children and our children's children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, uh, because it says so that when our children see them, they're going to just automatically, they're going to ask, now why are these stones here? And it's going to give mom and dad or grandma and grandpa the opportunity to say, you know what, kids, there's a God story that happened here, and let me tell you about the story of God's faithfulness. In this place, in this chapter, how he was good to us. That's what I want to do this morning. I want to, I want to erect a pile of stones, a stone pile. 
that serve as a reminder, not just to us, but to our children and to our children's children, that God has been so good to us. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of you might not know this. You might have been around here only for a few months or a few years. But those who have been here from the very beginning, I think they will attest to what I'm going to say right now, that it's not overly dramatic in any way. This church, from an earthly perspective, shouldn't be here. It shouldn't be here today. And not only is it here, but we have story upon story of God's faithfulness. This week I was just remembering when I was uh, a senior in high school. (laughs) My junior year, honestly, I'm not over-exaggerating when I say this at all. I was was the second-string quarterback my junior year. I was awful. Our team was really good. And then when going into the senior year, it was just like, uh, who's going to be the quarterback? We don't have a quarterback. And you know, it's a small town, and small towns don't have a life. And so all they talk about is the high school football team. And, and man, how bad Rod is. I mean, this guy isn't going to cut it. And so honestly, I was like, well, I honestly thought about running away. Like, I want this. And then stepping into that year, uh, first game against a horrible team, I won't name it, Um, we barely won. We never should have won the game. I played horrible. I was awful. I was so awful. I I I, I was feeling shame from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes that when the game was over, I sprinted off the field, first guy off. I couldn't wait to get into the locker room and be done with it, except when I was running off the field and I was in the end zone going into the locker room, God just, he like smoked me. And he just said, you're not going to say thank you? And so I turned around. I gathered the whole team together. And we did. We just got right on our knees. And we thanked God that night. And we thanked God after every victory. And that's what God's been kind of reminding me of this week. It's like, don't leave this place without thanking me. And so all week, God is just impressing upon my heart that, Rod, as, as, as you leave this, this place, like, 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 remember, remember how I've been good. Remember how, how, how I've been faithful to you. Remember all the stories of my goodness to you. And I have a lot of standing stones that I could just personally put up here today. And I'm going to give you guys a chance in just a few minutes to declare some of your stones of remembrance. And again, I want you to do that in 20 or 30 seconds. I don't want you to take too much time because other people might want to share. But I'd like to just start with uh, two of the significant stones that I would just like to lay before you today. Um, and trust me, there could be so many. But the, the first one is the baptismal tank. <laughs> and all that that symbolizes and all the memories of being in there and uh, the people that have gotten into that space within this space declaring how Jesus Christ changed them from the inside out who gave them new life 
Redemption to a relationship, redemption to a marriage, a new path to walk. And really at the end of the day, what we're going to celebrate 40 days from now, resurrection. The memories of that are just awesome. I bless God for that. I bless God for all the stories of life change and redemption that he has wrought upon people's hearts in this place. It's amazing. Starting with my own. God's changed me in the last 10 years. He's changed my family. I say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Storms that our family has had to weather. Kids that have been at times unfaithful. It's been good. The second stone that God has put on my heart this morning is uh, all the people that are no longer with us who've passed away. Who've made it to the promised land before us. And I know that on a day where we're celebrating, why would we Why would that be like at the heart of what I want to remember? Because probably as much as anything, uh, those people who aren't here today, this church is built on their lives. And their lives have shaped this place. Uh, I remember about six years already into our church's existence and I said to Libby, I said, Lib, it's really strange, isn't it, that I've done hundreds upon hundreds of weddings, but I haven't done a funeral. And it wasn't but months after that, we had our Saturday night service going. And I remember getting home that night and finding out that Kristen Stowey, I believe she was 19 years old at the time, was in a tragic snowmobile accident and passed away. And I don't need to reflect too much on that other than to say this, that the whole Stoey family taught this family how to grieve and prepared us for further grief. And it was just one of the most difficult yet beautiful seasons in our church. And that is a stone that we can pile other stones on top. It's a foundation stone to our church. Um, Don Williams, I don't know if you remember Don, but Don was an African-American guy uh, and uh, had such a heart for Jesus. And I used to have breakfast with Don probably at least once a month. And uh, I just want to remember Don today, not just because of his love for Jesus, but he impacted my life with his love for Jesus and and the way God spoke truth through him. And uh, Don passed away about three years ago, and I even had the privilege of doing his funeral. And it was probably the only time in my life where I've been the only white person in a church, okay? And I stepped into that church, and it's one of those churches where they have nurses and everything because, you know, they're just, uh, what do you call it, holy rollers or whatever. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. And Don's life was beautiful. Rick Van Holstein, remember him? You guys probably know Dave. About four years ago, 
uh, came down with Lou Gehrig's disease. And I just, over that time, watched him uh, as he walked into this church to then being pushed into this church by a wheelchair to, at the very end, just laying back like this, and he couldn't even move a muscle. And just for me to be up here preaching and to see him. And then in between services, I don't know if you know this, but I go to my back room and uh, I watch you guys come in here. And I, I sometimes pray for you. Sometimes I'm just resting. I'll be honest. I probably should pray for you more. Um, but I watched Dave take care of his brother for three years. Every Sunday. It was the most beautiful thing I've seen is watching him care for his brother and then his brother passed away. When we first started the church, uh, there was this girl, Nicole Bouchel, Bouchel who uh, oftentimes came up to my office to talk to me and the reason she wanted to talk to me, she was... Uh, Chris, how old at that time? Maybe 19? Yeah. A girl robbed of her childhood because she had cancer. And she would just sit with me and she'd talk with me and she'd be asking me all the hard questions like how can a God allow this in a person's life? And, and Chris, I'm telling you, watching you Walk alongside of it, her. I mean, your, your heart capacity to care for someone is just 10 times anything I could ever dream for myself. And I just bless God for that. And then, of course, as she got closer to the end, I remember she said, Rod, I want to meet with you. And I went into her room, and she was literally probably weeks before passing. It ended up being days. And she told me, I want you to know, I know where I'm going. I believe in him. I did her funeral. Thank you. And of course, Derek and and Dylan. uh, Derek was brought on here as uh, a friend of mine to work with our students and became a best friend. And speaking of those baptisms, I have so many memories of Derek. I have memories of Derek baptizing people and almost banging their head against the thing. He was so passionate about everything he did. I remember sometimes in between baptisms, I'd be back there and he'd come in there and be like, Slammer, can you believe this? I can't believe it. This whole place is erupting for God right now. And Amen. <laughs> couldn't be planned any better. That was devastating. That one changed me. His life changed me. I want his hunger and his passion. I can still hear his voice. I can still hardly jog at the Y without the memories of of him alongside of me. Changed our church. I don't know if you know this, but Jewish people, when they go to a cemetery, they don't bring flowers. Do you know what they bring? They bring stones. Standing stones. 
You know why they bring them? I think this is powerful. That stone represents their life and they're putting it on the gravestone to say, I want to build my life on this person's life. And for those who have gone before us and in the same way, this 10 years that God has been so good to us, in one sense we're leaving it, but we'll never leave it. And today what I want us to do is to say, we are going to build our stones on what God has done in us and through us in these 10 years. And we're going to build on it. And we are stepping into something that is tremendously exciting. It's daunting as we move into the city of Grand Rapids. God has given this church a vision that isn't small, but as big as we want to see God reach Grand Rapids and see a revival take place in the heart of the city, moving out and be a part of that. And now we're talking about trusting God to do the impossible. This morning, maybe you have a stone that you would like to share. And I'd like to open it up right now. How God's been faithful to you. I think Brad has a mic back there, or maybe I have a mic up here, either way. Right here. Does anybody in it? No one has to. We're family here. This is our family room. Well, one thing I love about our church makes you cry, but um, Rod says we're the church of the desperate. And I just do love all of you because it's okay that we're desperate and he says if you're not desperate pray you'll be desperate I'm pretty desperate you you may look together but this church you don't have to put band-aids on yourself and say look I'm okay you can just look under the hood and say there's stuff under there that needs changing and it's okay it's good it's great and God was working on me pretty much all night just not letting me rest like you need to grow. I have 12 kids. Some of you know that. But I can't. I'm not good at loving unconditionally. And, and he just lets you look under that hood and say, you got to get truth in there more. I know it. We can forget it. We can get comfortable. And God just says, no, you got to get real what hurts in your life. And you got to say, okay, God, I can't do this. It's okay. We can't do it. God, I'm touching you. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. She touched his garment. God, you got to love even myself and forgive myself my blunders. We've all made them, but we've got to forgive ourselves and just even love ourselves and our whatevers. And then, God, you got to love, really do it. And I see him at times doing it, but i got to do it all the time. i got to do it more even, and more with my poor kids who've <laughs> put up with a lot. But... um he wins, and I see him doing it, and we can pray for each other. Pray for me that I can actually keep touching that garment and win. We want to we win. I'm with you. I don't care how weak you are. I'll pray for you because God wins, and it's okay. We're going to make it. We're going to cross the finish line. We're the church of the desperate. Amen, and we're going to win. We can see a revival right here because God wants that. You want, if we aren't going to be desperate, we're going to, he's going to make us destitute in our country. And we're, we're, we're good fertile soil here. We could see a big move.
I'm a new member here. I'm Chinese. I just came to the states like eight, about eight months ago, and this is um, one of just like my fourth time or fifth time here. But I just, I just really want to thank God for His faithfulness, because there was a time in my in my life that I really grew bitter, and I was like, because I I feel like coming here was not easy, and why did I suffer so much and had to do so many things, but. I yesterday because there were people talking to me about their family passing away, and I I just was、uh, there was fear in my heart yesterday. But coming here as the pastor talked about this, there, it's actually it's it's good because in those times God is still faithful and He wants us to um um build our lives upon the ones who have gone before us, and it's like in. Answer to my confusion. So, I, even though I'm a new member, but I just, I just want to remind every one of us, including myself, that He is faithful and He can do all that He promises. And as much as He has, what He has done for me, I, I believe that this church is gonna do great. Thank you. What's your name? My name is Yuan Yuan, and this is my husband Tim. And welcome, you guys. I gotta do this. <laughs> you know, I don't like to, to talk. I like to talk. <laughs> don't get me wrong on that. <laughs> you know me. You, you know I love to talk, but I don't like to talk in front of people. But I am so blessed that I have seen Crossroads at a different perspective. About nine years ago, I started coming into the office every Thursday and helping out there and、um, answering the phones. Well, the, the staff had staff meeting and.、Um, Just doing different things and、uh, making CDs. So,、um, and I just am so blessed that I see the staff like they really are, and they really are friends, and they really—that's the thing that drew me to Crossroads was prayer. And、uh, the first time I came, I sat next to Pat and Bruce Cheadle, who were leading prayer, and、um, they invited me to prayer meeting. And I went to prayer meeting, and I said, "This is what prayer really is." And I have been coming ever since. But I know that every decision made at Crossroads is bathed in prayer. That. They start out with prayer. They don't end with prayer and ask God to bless the decisions they make. But everything is just bathed in prayer, and and、uh, I just feel like in the nine years I've come here <laughs> that I've grown more than my other sixty-one years, <laughs> and and it's just a blessing.
I agree, not liking to get in front of people. Um, that's why I stay back here. But I, ha I couldn't go away from this. I came to this group of people um, coming out of a lot of times in church, being involved in church, and seeing the business side of churches. And honestly, we came here the first Sunday. Greg, I don't know where you're at. My response to Greg was, nice show. That's how jaded my heart had become. But over getting involved back in the Saturday morning setups and the, coming back for the rehearsals when the band was practicing, I saw something that I have never seen before. I saw a young intern leading the setup crew of chairs, stopping everybody and saying, wait, yeah, we'll get the work done. How's it going in your life? In your life? And he knew what was going on in everybody's lives around him. I saw Greg, a bunch of talented musicians, wanting to... Had a thing they wanted to get through in their rehearsal, stopping it. Nobody else here and getting on their faces for 20 minutes because something wasn't right. And it was prayer that needed it. And I saw in this body, and I continue to see it, an honesty that I had never seen before. And that honesty, not to raise up the church, draws hearts. And that, for me, is what this group has meant. Ten years ago, I didn't plan on being here. I didn't want to be here. I, I hated the opportunity to be here. Um, sorry, Ron. Um, Michael Hildago's wife, Beth, worked with Chris at the hospital, and uh, she invited us to come on day one just to support her husband and listen to him preach. And uh, I was very happy being complacent in the church that I was at. Um, but my wife played the birthday card on me. It was her birthday. Uh, so we ended up coming, and I thought, great, we'll get here, we'll leave, it's cool. Um, uh, however, uh, God got a hold of me instead. He nailed my foot to the floor here, and uh, over 10 years, uh, it was very interesting. Um, when I was... Uh, a young man, I was evil personified. Uh, without going too deep into that story, uh, you wouldn't believe it anyway if you knew me. Um, anyway, uh, over 10 years, just to see a lot of change in a lot of people, uh, a lot of mountains moved. Uh, the greatest mountains uh, were moved in my own life. Um, you know, that from the earlier uh, things in my life to have the mountain uh, called guilt moved and uh, just the mountain of complacency that's been nudged in my life has, uh, has been amazing. So uh, if you think God can't do big things in your life, uh, I'll argue with you on that one. So awesome. Great to be here. Both are involved in our marriage ministry and do, if you're getting, pre need preparation for marriage, the thing, they're, they're one this weekend is awesome. Thank you, you guys.
Um, when I first came to Crossroads, I had been going to a church for 17 years of my life um, at that time, way over half of my life. And I came here to Crossroads after a friend invited me. And I was like, okay, I'll go with you because she had invited me so many times. And I was like, maybe she'll quit asking, but I'm really happy at my church. And I came here and Rod was preaching and I said, hey, I know that man. And he used to preach at that church that I and work with the youth that I had been at for 17 years. And I said to her that day, I said, I will never leave this church. You know, again, right now at least, you know, this is home. And she moved right after that. And I came to this church, and I'm a very people-oriented person. And I sat by myself week after week after week. But I knew this is exactly where God wanted me to be. There was no question, but it was so uncomfortable from going to a place where everybody knows your family to a place that... Nobody knows you, or you know a few faces, or people say hi to you on Sunday morning, but you don't know people. Um, but over the last, I think I've been here five or six years, this place has become my family. Um, I've never become comfortable in a good way of where I went to the church every week and sat in the same place, but instead have been challenged every week by the people at this church who have totally poured into my life. And I'm so glad that I to went with my friend that morning, even though I didn't want to. Maybe a couple more. Um, I'm Caleb. Uh, you might see me play guitar up there every once in a while. Uh, I started coming here in 2009 when I went to, I started at Cornerstone. And uh, I just had a friend from my church back home in Chicago, which is, I don't know, Rod, there's a bunch of us here from that church. Uh, <laughs> Someone's like, oh, you're going to Grand Rapids, you got to go to Crossroads. And uh, I walked in. 10 minutes late to the 9 a.m. service and things still hadn't started yet. And for me, that was, uh, <laughs> that was kind of, I don't know, exactly, yeah. Um, but I can come in here for like three and a half years off and on just between moving and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, it's just been a huge blessing to me to come from a, the church that I came from that was just like scheduled like eleven fifteen. the band's been on stage for two minutes ready to go like things roll like that to come here and just like you know we didn't start till eleven twenty five today and it, it's totally cool and uh i don't know i just love how like nothing the way things look don't really matter all we do is we chase after god and uh it's just it's been a huge blessing so thanks rod Can you do 30 seconds so we can get Tom over there? For sure. Um, my name's Ty, and I've been going here for about two months now. And um, I got involved with the college group that meets at the B-Shop every other Wednesday. And I guess I was just really blown away by the sense of family. Um, that's here, just how everyone's so intentional about getting to know you and just, like, wanting to know more about you and just, just loving you. And everyone meets at Pepino's afterwards, and, and, and we just fight over breadsticks, and it's just... A great time, so I just I, I really appreciate that sense of family and, and getting to know everybody here. So Tom. I did, I just want to share um every I've been coming here for quite a while and every Sunday I leave I say I want some more of that. And uh I just wanna thank everybody that's here. I, I, I'm really impressed by the young people because at least me and, and 
my generation sometimes is we like to talk about doing things. At least that's one of my faults. I know some of you guys aren't like that, but you young people, you don't want to talk about doing things. You want to do things. And I've seen that in this church, and, and you bless me by that. And one of the things that, that I love is when somebody calls you up. They're calling you up. There's more. And I feel like that happens here all the time. Very grateful for that. And then one thing I can't help but mentioning is Derek Tages. And uh, I don't really know Derek that well. I just watched him from afar. But the way he worshipped was... He had the wingspan. It seemed like one arm could touch that side and one arm could touch that side when he raised his hand. And I remember he didn't care what anybody else thought. And I remember him just laying down sometimes, just face first. And I just want to pass that on. I feel like I can do that here. And I hope you guys feel like you can do that here. This is a time for you to meet God and hopefully encourage you to follow him all through the week. And if you want to raise your hands, if you want to jump up and down, whatever you want to do, you're talking to him, and, and nobody really, that doesn't bother anybody here, and I'm just real thankful for that. And um, It's just great to be a part of this family. Um, I'm a broken person. I, I don't have it all together by any means, but but Jesus Christ calls us up, and, and when we lock arms together and do this together, um, I think that's really what he wants. So, so I thank you for that. Thanks for everything, man. Yeah, of course. And while you're gathering yourself, Hillary, I thank your family today, and I thank you by name. And since you're here, I didn't thank you now, but you, Hillary, and Doug and Linda Tagus and Charity have been such a gift to our family in the way you've walked through suffering. And you've done it in such a beautiful way. And you have reminded us that we have such a beautiful Savior. I wish my husband was still here to help me. <laughs> we had to meet someone after church today, of course, today. <laughs> but um, this was my devotions this morning. And uh, when I come... And especially during the worship. It's not just us. It's all of heaven. Worshiping together. And God is so glorified. And I just know that that was Derek's passion. But it's what God wants from all of us and sometimes we can do it we have the strength and sometimes we can't and when you were talking today about that it's God's strength and um, I just want to encourage everybody because what's so great about this church is when in the beginning you'd call people to the front just get on your knees repent do business with God don't leave and we've all been touched. And if you haven't been, I just want to encourage you with Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Because it's what I pray for people all the time who need the Lord. And I pray for my own encouragement. And I see what God has done in our lives and what he did through Derek's life. Because Derek was not the person that he was at the end. And it's because of what God did for him. 
For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship. I should just come down. We're going to take an offering.
Great is thy faithfulness Morning by morning New mercies I see All I have needed Thy hands have provided Great Receive his blessing. Before you receive it, we are stepping into something new, challenging, unknown, maybe a bit scary, but very exciting. It's front lines. And let me just say a word to you. Uh, I think this is appropriate to you Westies. <laughs> uh, this is where we started Crossroads here on the west side. And so from that standpoint, this has been the heart of our church. And we're going to be adding another half East people. I, first of all, need you to not play any games with that. There's no West side is the best side. <laughs> is that fair? Um, we're, we're, we're going to become a people, a one, that is going to be entrenched together as brothers and sisters yes. uh, on the front lines for the glory and the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? With that, though, uh, receive his blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance over you. May his spirit fill you. And may he give you his peace, his shalom, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, so that we can be shalom to people in chaos for the glory of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen.